If you asked any successful compliance officer if they dreamed of being a compliance officer when they grew up, the answer probably would be no. But being a compliance officer is very challenging and can be professionally rewarding. Captain Integrity Production and the law firm of Nelson Mullins presents Stark Integrity, the Stark Law and Compliance Podcast. Stark Integrity explores the world of the Stark Law and healthcare compliance with our nationally recognized Stark Law, Fraud, and Compliance Attorney, Bob Wade. Bob has a national healthcare legal and compliance practice that focuses on the minions of the Anti-Kickback Statute, False Claims Act, and the Stark Law, including fair market value and commercial reasonableness. Although Bob is a law partner in the national law firm of Nelson Mullins, the views expressed in Stark Integrity are Bob's personal views and not the views of the firm, and they are not intended to be legal advice. Now, without further ado... I give you Captain Integrity, Bob Wade. Welcome to Stark Integrity, the Stark Law and Compliance Podcast. My name is Bob Wade, and I am your host. Today, I'm going to be talking about a question that I get posed quite frequently from organizations that are either trying to develop their compliance program or to enhance their compliance program, and that is, who should be the compliance officer? And uh, I, I like to illustrate points sometimes by uh, using popular culture. So if you remember Toy Story, and Toy Story was a fabulous movie, but if uh, Woody crawled into an arcade game that had a bunch of plastic minions, and if you remember, there, there was this claw that was coming down from the top of the, this game in order to grab uh, one of the minions, or... Woody. Woody was hoping he was also going to get grabbed. And the minion said, the claw, it knows. I have been chosen. Farewell, my friends. I go on to a better place. Well, if selecting a compliance officer was all up to the claw, it would be relatively easy uh, to select the appropriate compliance officer. But it's, it's not that simple. Uh, not only if, if you are listening to this and are either a compliance officer or are trying to think about being a compliance officer, or if you're an executive trying to decide who you should select as a compliance officer, well, this is an episode for you. Uh, as most of you know who've been following Stark Integrity, the podcast, I have served as a compliance officer. My title is actually Organizational Integrity Officer, and that's the reason why Captain Integrity was formed is because of the word integrity was in my title. And at the very beginning of my tenure as the Organizational Integrity Officer or Compliance Officer, I felt that the compliance of the organization was dependent solely on me. Because after all, I was the compliance officer and my role was compliance in the organization. So therefore, I assumed that if the organization was not compliant, it was because of me. Or if it was compliant, it was because of me. Well, that is furthest from the truth. 
And it really took me about a year to understand that as a compliance officer, I was a facilitator. And a lot of times I referred to it as if I was a traffic cop. And in my organization, we had 3,000 employees, and I used to say that I could witness 3,000 employees speeding, but the only thing that I could do is to identify the speeders and to either ask them to slow down or to let them know that they were speeding. But I wasn't driving their vehicles. So as a compliance officer, I quickly learned that it was more of an accountability a process that I had to put into into place in order to ensure compliance in my organization. And another illustration, we always use sports illustrations, but another illustration is that of a coach, a coach of a team. A coach does not win the games. It's the players that win the games. But the coach decides strategy, who to put into the game, what plays to follow, and the like. And so that's a lot like what a compliance officer does. He's like a traffic cop or he's like a coach. In this episode, I'm going to going to answer three questions. First off, why have a compliance officer? Number 2 is what to do compliance officers do? And lastly, who should you choose to be the compliance officer for the organization? Well, first, starting off the why. Why? It's, it's because it's one part of the seven elements of an effective compliance program. So the government has stated that in order to have an effective compliance program, that a compliance officer needs to be designated uh, within the organization. Next, it is part of the Office of Inspector General model compliance program. So when you go onto the Office of the Inspector General website and you go into compliance guidance, they have all of the model compliance programs uh, for various healthcare segments. And one of the things in those model compliance programs, they identify that the organization should have an identified compliance officer. And lastly, if you are looking toward corporate integrity agreements as a model, or if you're under a corporate integrity agreement, one of the items that is mandated by the Office of the Inspector General uh, for organizations that have a CIA is that a designated compliance officer exists. And usually, if you have a corporate integrity agreement, the Office of the Inspector General will look at the background of the compliance officer, and as part of the annual report under a CIA, they will evaluate whether the compliance officer is effectively trained uh, for that position. So again, the why is it's because it is part of the seven elements of an effective compliance program. The second question is what? What does a compliance officer do? Well, first off, I want to answer this by saying what the compliance officer is not. The compliance officer does not have to be an expert in all areas. They do not need to be an expert in legal, auditing, coding, accreditation, human resources, medical, education, leadership, or finance. 
Now, obviously, the compliance officer needs to be aware of each of those categories and may be an expert in one of those categories. Like when I was a compliance officer, part of my major emphasis, and this is because of the corporate integrity agreement that we were under, dealt with physician financial arrangements. So one of the areas of my expertise was the Stark Law, the Anti-Kickback Statute, and the False Claims Act. But I quickly learned that I had to know more than just the legal aspects of the Stark Law and the Anti-Kickback Statute and had to understand the coding, the documentation, the human relations issues that impacted my organization. So you do do not need to be an expert, uh, but you need to have familiarity in those categories. Um, and also, as I indicated, uh, I, I thought that I had to make the organization compliant. But as I indicated, a compliance officer is more of an organizational leader, and they need to empower individuals in order to be compliant in the organization. And this is usually accomplished through a compliance committee. And if you do not have a compliance committee, then you need to establish a compliance committee through which uh, most of the compliance issues are channeled and also handled. And also, you need to empower executive leadership to assist you in ensuring the organization is compliant. So it's an empowerment position where you work through other individuals who have those various areas of expertise, uh, like the compliance committee and executive leadership. Another thing that compliance officers do quite a bit is the tracking of multiple issues. So if, we're, uh, if there are audits that are taking place, if there are hotline calls that are being made, if there are direct reports that are being made to the compliance department for review, review and investigation, then the compliance officer needs to be very task-oriented and being able to track the status of all of those issues. And again, the compliance officer does not need to be the reviewer of all of those issues, but does need to be the person that is responsible for the oversight. Um, And I'll give you one story too, uh, and this goes back to a conversation I had with a representative of the OIG and a compliance officer. And this compliance officer happened to be an auditor. And the um, compliance officer, because of this compliance officer's auditing background, basically tried to take the position that, that he or she needed to be neutral. And uh, because in an auditing position, an individual would audit and present those audit results to the organization for implementation. And uh, and the OIG person who was evaluating the effectiveness of the, of the compliance program said, no, uh, you do not need to be neutral. You are an officer of the organization, and you have to have the ability to say that something is compliant or is not compliant. And so even though you bring that area of expertise into the position, you have to know that for the most part, you are not serving in that capacity. And I've said before, I served both as the general counsel and the compliance officer, and usually I had to default to to my compliance position and let everybody know that I was not there as their attorney during that time. So you could have specific training Uh, in a certain area like legal or auditing. But when you are a compliance officer, you are a decision maker. You are 
a, a leader of the organization that is responsible for channeling the resources in order to ensure compliance. And then you also have to uh, hold people, and I'll put this as air quotes, accountable. Accountable usually has this negative connotation, meaning that if I do something wrong, then I am going to be held responsible for failing to implement something. But accountability also has a positive aspect to it, that if, if you uh, were responsible for auditing a certain area and you put in the processes and procedures and it worked, then through an accountability process, you succeeded. So accountability is both positive and negative. And the other thing about how you implement the compliance function within the organization is to work through the current structure. It's not like you're trying to add a whole different silo or division in the organization. Compliance is more like a blanket over the organization. And so you need to make sure that you are operating the compliance program consistent with this structure and hopefully with the culture, unless the culture is a non-compliant culture, then obviously the culture needs to be changed. But to, uh, to work through the existing structure of the organization, and also you have to be willing to learn. Uh, so there is so much in healthcare. And there are so many rules and regulations and accreditation standards that compliance officers need to be a constant learner of the healthcare industry in order to be an effective compliance, compliance officer. And that brings us to the third question is, who should be the compliance officer? Well, first off, I would tell you that uh, not only it's my position, but also it's the government's position that the chief executive officer and the chief financial officer should not be compliance officers. And that is because of the roles that they have in the organization. Now, when I'm talking about compliance here, uh, you need to put in a compliance program that is based upon the size and scope of your organization. So there's not a one-all that fits all. So there are, with these components that I've been talking about in this episode, there are various exceptions to these generalized statements. Uh, so have I seen a, a chief executive officer be a successful uh, compliance officer? Yes, but in extremely small organizations. You get into a larger organization, there's this fear factor that kicks in, and a lot of people do not want to go to the chief executive officer and to uh, give negative concerns or advice. Uh, so CEOs, CFOs, and also the general counsel arguably should not be the compliance officer. Uh, and that's because there could be a perception within the organization that anything the general counsel touches is going to be protected by the attorney-client privilege. And that's one of the things that the government has been uh, firm about is that lawyers, if they're acting as the attorney and are handling a compliance function, that uh, the argument is on behalf of the government that the attorney-client privilege would not apply. So generally, if you're going to be a general counsel, um, unless you're very clear about your roles in the various meetings, and usually the compliance function would trump the general counsel function, that the general counsel usually should not be the compliance officer. It can be an accountant, an auditor, an attorney, 
but also understanding that when they're serving as a compliance officer, you are not the finance person for the organization in your compliance function. You are not the auditor for the organization in your compliance function, and you're not the attorney to which the attorney-client privilege would apply when you're the compliance officer. And the compliance officer can have many hats. Uh, So the compliance officer does not have to have compliance as their sole and only function. Now, obviously, if you become a larger organization, like a multi-specialty hospital system, then the organization should have a compliance officer that that's their sole function. But in the smaller organizations, you could have someone who is a part of the HR staff who also serves as the compliance officer. Um, It can be an employee of the organization, and that's the usual case, or it could be an independent contractor. Like by way of example, I have served in the compliance officer position as a contracted compliance officer uh, for organizations, usually on an interim basis, not on a full-time basis, but that is possible. You also want to have an individual who is a high-ranking officer within the organization. And that is because the compliance officer needs to have the ability and the authority to effectuate change. The compliance officer, and especially under a corporate integrity agreement, should report to the chief executive officer as well as have the ability to report directly to the board And I received a question once at a conference, and I was uh, co-presenting with an assistant U.S. attorney. And the question was, talk about the authority of a compliance officer within the organization. And I gave one example. I said that uh, if there is a billing issue within my organization, I have sole authority to stop billing regarding that issue. And the assistant U.S. attorney uh, looked at the audience and looked at me and said, yes, that's correct authority. If you have to go through multiple layers in order to stop what is perceived to be a billing problem, then you may not be cloaked with the appropriate authority within the organization. Uh, So you want to make sure that you have authority in the organization to effectuate change and to stop uh, processes and procedures if there is suspicion that those processes and procedures could lead to non-compliant billing or non-compliant arrangements. The other thing about a compliance officer is that they need to be approachable. Uh, You do not want to have the compliance officer go to work uh, every morning, go to their office, and close the door. Uh, Compliance officers usually should have an open door policy. Uh, The compliance officer should get to know the individuals within the organization and really become part of the fabric of the organization. And also needs to be someone who does not jump to conclusions. I remember early on when I was a compliance officer, I had somebody from the billing department believe that there was a billing issue, and I said, oh, well, good, I'm going to walk down, and I'm going to present this billing problem to this physician group, and we're going to solve this compliance problem. Well, we got halfway through the discussion, and I quickly learned that our billing person was wrong and the physicians were doing it correctly, and the physicians had information, documentation, regulations to back it up. And so I immediately have to stop the meeting and apologize that I reacted too quickly. So when issues are coming in, the compliance officer needs to be someone who is willing to obtain the facts and then make decisions based upon the facts as they discover them. 
But the bottom line is that compliance officers are vital to healthcare organizations, and it can be a fun position because it is an executive level position uh, within the organization. So this now brings me to the three Captain Integrity Punch Points for this episode. Captain Integrity Punch Point number one, asking the question, why? Why have a compliance officer? Well, it's part of the seven elements of an effective compliance program. Captain Integrity Punch Point number two is what does a compliance officer do? Well, they are primarily a facilitator uh, for process change within the organization. And lastly, who should be the compliance officer? So this is Captain Integrity Punch Point number three, and that is a high-ranking individual within the organization who is approachable and reports to the chief executive officer and the board and is a person who has the ability to, to recognize issues and to stop processes like billing if they believe that it is possible that inappropriate activity is occurring. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Stark Integrity, the Stark Law and Compliance Podcast. If you have any questions regarding this episode, the Stark Law, or healthcare compliance, you can contact me at bobwadecaptainintegrity at gmail.com or my law firm email address at bob.wade at nelsonmullins.com. You can review this and any other episode of Stark Integrity at the Captain Integrity website at captainintegrity.com. You can also follow me on LinkedIn under Bob Wade. I hope the three Captain Integrity Punch Points will help you with the Stark Law and compliance. In closing, remember that integrity depends on you and me.